Guards and Spikes, Sydney, Tyler, and Tommy with you. Welcome in. Great to have you along. Whether you're watching on live stream on a Wednesday night or listening on the podcast on the Atlanta Soccer Podcast Network, we are delighted to have you along. Jason Longshore is coming on later on. Um, so is Keith Costigan. Um, I actually didn't mean to say that, but I got caught off track. <laughs> I meant to say, Tyler and Tommy, how are you? But yeah, how are you? <laughs> Doing great. You guys um, like that? My little the, um, ghost of, the ghost of Jason and Keith has already appeared. So I know I thought he was behind me. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was like, "Where'd he go?" Yeah, I, I, I totally messed that block. up. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. But um, yeah, I was able to. I feel like recover that pretty well. But um, yeah, I'm doing good myself. Uh, banks on the field aren't good for Atlanta United. To say the least, three dropped across all competitions, Memphis, Nashville, and Miami. We promised we were so, not going to talk about this anymore. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you have let's to. make that the last time. To. Fine. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. You have to uh, confront your past to look at the future sometimes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Not not great for Atlanta United. Um, and, yeah, we'll kind of briefly touch on Miami before um, we get going. But, yeah, huge show tonight. Uh, Keith Costigan from MLS Season Pass will be joining us, former voice of the Sounders. Um, he'll be calling the match with Mo Adu, a good from Mo Adu on Saturday. Um, and I tweeted it out earlier in the week. Keith knows a thing or two about Darby's. He was the former voice of the Sounders before he made the switch to MLS Season Pass. But yeah, looking forward to having him along uh, a little bit later on. Then later, as I said, Jason Longshore, you guys know him. I don't need to introduce him. Um, he'll be along as well. But we also have a giveaway going on, guys. I, I we hear. sure do. Is that still going on? Yep. One night one night out with Sydney. Sydney's going <laughs> to take you out on the town. And uh, you guys are going to watch an Atlanta United game together. And he'll show you. That, is, <laughs> that is not the giveaway. Maybe later on the season. We'll see. Maybe later in the season. But, um. Yeah, our friends at Carmen and Diego have partnered with us uh, to give away a King Peach enamel pin, and we'll be giving that away tonight for those that retweeted our tweet at Scarves and Spikes on Twitter, shared our post, or liked our post, I should say, on Instagram at Scarves and, and Spikes. Or if you comment tonight, you'll get bonus entries toward winning this pin. So, yeah, go ahead and jump in the, com- jump in the chat and... Yeah, let's hear what you have to say. All you got to do is chat, guys, yeah, just like you normally exactly. do. Nothing's got to change. Exactly. Get in and, uh, the car. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, we'll announce the winner a little bit later on. But, yeah, like I said, Keith Costley in a little bit. And Jason tore the, um, i say the back end of the show, kind of. But, yeah, let's briefly touch on um, some things that happened outside of LA United, losing to Joseph Martinez in. Oh. Enter Miami. Uh, some good news, though. Caleb Wiley is officially going to the U20 World Cup. So, big news for Caleb. Officially official. O- officially official. Yeah. E- exciting. Mean, knew it was going to happen, right? Yeah. But then is it everybody... good news or bad news? Like, ah, that's, see, that's a good, that's uh, a good question. And, and my bad uh, news, well, I've got multiple good news. Like, good news is the kid made it, right? He's playing... Big opportunity for him. Great. 
The other good news, U.S. soccer Twitter is going to stay away from Atlanta United posts for at least one month. One month, they will stay away and not say that Atlanta United kept players uh, during a tournament, right? Because that's what always ends up happening. When Miles Robinson didn't play, uh, for Gold Cup, or no, it was just like a camp. Like they, they just attacked Atlanta United Twitter. So that's another positive. But the bad news is, He's not going to be playing for us, and we need him right now. We he he's he's a big spark. I mean, we're talking about playing Charlotte. How big was Caleb Wiley last Charlotte game? Right, MVP of that yep. game. Earned him uh, Player of the Week, actually. Yeah, it did. Oh so, yeah, the I mean, non Heineken Player of the, the Week, Coca Cola <laughs> Young Man of the Match. Is is he Young Man of the Match? Is that what we're calling it? What, what was your actual name for it? The Coca Cola. Yeah. I don't know. It was. Somewhere around here, I don't know. I've got like a whole <laughs> stupid props I've done this year. Coca Cola uh, boy of the match. I don't know. The <laughs> young young lad of the match. Young, young lad, lad of the match. <laughs> I like it better. The no, but underage. By yeah. Coca-Cola. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but you know, it is kind of a double edged sword. Yeah, it's great to see Caleb getting this exposure. It hats off to him and. Let's hope that a he doesn't get injured and b he turns yeah he turns it up in Argentina. Uh, the good news is for for the U.S. U.S. just kind of take a look at the um, the schedule. A uh, pretty light in the group stage. Uh, they're expected to get to the knockout stages by a long by a pretty wide margin. Uh, they haven't won it since '89. Or they've never won it. Uh, the farthest they've gotten, I believe, is fourth place in '89. You know, not sure how far they'll get. Um, there are a lot of young players, young pieces on there. Um, intriguing players, Slonina, McGlynn, uh, Justin Shea, um, Quinn Sullivan, just all kinds of standout Brandon players. Craig, all, I think. Yep, Brandon Craig, Owen Wolf, um, Tyler's brother, Josh's son. Um, yeah, a, a, a good group of quality players that you know, maybe could make some noise down there in Argentina. Again, pretty easy in the group stage for the most part, but once we get to the knockout stage, you know we'll we'll be watching and seeing how far they can get, and hopefully this young group of players who many of them will be seeing in twenty twenty six can really take that next step. Yeah, and you look at some of the other, I guess, clubs that are not allowing their players to be released this time around, and to Tommy's point, like. Men's national team Twitter is not going to be angry at Atlanta United, but they are certainly angry at like Eintracht Frankfurt and a, a handful of other teams that are not letting like let's say Aronson go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Excellent. You know, I understand. I understand the club versus country argument, and I understand it's the U twenty World Cup, but I don't think that should downplay anything. I think at the end of the day, you're you're taking an opportunity that these kids, we'll just say it, these kids have to really, really get out on the international stage. And it's a, it's a month. You know, if, if you can't handle yourself for a month without a U-20 or a couple of U-20s, then you, you've got a bigger problem, I think. So kudos to, to Caleb for sure. And uh, I hate it for the rest that can't go because they should be able to. So that's my two cents. But I just it – is, it is frustrating. It's such a great opportunity that some of these guys are going to be missing. 
Yeah, and back to Eintracht Frankfurt, um, I was looking at the Bundesliga table, and, you know, they're mid-table. I mean, they're 43 points. Uh, I, I, I will say this. I mean, they're five points out of a Europa Conference League qualifier, I mean, which isn't, like, a better um, competition, but still a outside chance of making a European competition, Europa League. So I could kind of see if that were the case, but at the same time, you know, um, yeah, I mean, young players want to get that exposure. And, you know, again, we're just talking about this club versus country thing, and it's a lot deeper than, you know, we, we talk about a lot of times. So, yeah, interest, we interested to know why um, they didn't let him go. Um, Mark saying in the comments, uh, Frankfurt are the DFB Pokal final, so they probably has something to do with it. But, yeah, it's an opportunity. I agree, Tyler, that you don't get every day. And, yeah, interesting to hear exactly why Frankfurt won't let, you know, their young player go. Um, but from a roster standpoint, for a lady United, from a personnel standpoint, you know, again, who plays for him? But at the end, this is a big opportunity for him to really step in and make his presence felt. He's not had a terrible start with Atlanta United, but it's not been a terrific start for Atlanta United at the same time. You know, kind of shrug your shoulders. Yeah, kind of vague for Atlanta United. Mm. But yeah, this is really the time for him to show that, okay, I can take my game to the next level. I can really help this team, and I'm worth every penny that this club paid for me to bring me in. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is this is you look at opportunities, and you you saw Wiley last year. His opportunity was because of injuries, right? Immediately, and he gets to play more. And now Wiley's leaving for a, a big opportunity, and now it's it's Etienne to to get consistent play, and he's been playing more consistently, but he's going to have to be playing close to ninety minutes. Like you don't really have that much now. Machop will likely be going back into his sub routine here hopefully if you're if you're getting healthy this week but still you, you want to see Etienne come in and be able to play most of the game and create chances and finish because he had multiple opportunities last week to score and you know one he had a really nice opportunity to get a nice shot on goal and it was just soft it was an easy save so I think this is a you know we, we talk about opportunities all the time especially for the young players now it's for a veteran to be able to come in take this job back and then make it hard for Wiley to get back into the lineup. And I think that's what really makes things important here because I, Wiley made it impossible for Etienne really to get in, even when he got healthy because Etienne was hurt. Then he, you know, was healthy, but he couldn't see playing time because Wiley and Gutman were just so good on that left side. That was like the strongest part of our offense was those two. And now it, you hopefully see Gutman and Etienne get some cohesion during this time and hopefully build on from there because this team needs to need to score goals, you know, and, and yep. it can't just be Yakamakis returning and it can't just be Almada scoring bangers, right? Like you're going to need goals from the wings. And that is what we're really need to focus on here before the summer to figure out what our weaknesses are to be able to, to get better. Yeah. Absolutely. We talked about that summer transfer window that's going to be so important for Atlanta United. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that in the coming weeks and months. They'll be here before you know it. So we'll talk about um, that maybe a little more later on. But as we kind of turn the page and look forward to 
at Letty United versus Charlotte FC coming up on Saturday. Guys, we have a uh, we have an Emmy Award winner coming on for us tonight. Um, but he'll be in the building at the Benz with Moa Du, familiar name, on Saturday called the Metro MLS Season Pass. Um, former Sounders play-by-play man on TV and radio, um, seven years, um, 18 years with Fox Sports calling Bundesliga, Champions League, and the list goes on. Uh, Keith Kosigan joins the joins us. Hey. Keith, how's it going? What's up, guys? Welcome. How you guys doing? I, I should have got the Emmy out and, and had it with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a show and tell. Is yeah. it in the kitchen? No, you know what? Um, I have two, and they're both still in the in their boxes, and they're in the bottom of uh, press. I haven't even got them out. I don't know why. Maybe <laughs> maybe in my house it's about being humble or something like that. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I I open them I open the box up every now and again when family visit. But beyond that, <laughs> they don't get much uh, playtime. I will yeah, say, uh, I will say, you have two more Emmys than the three of us combined. I'll say that <laughs> much. So <laughs> speak but, for um, yourself, Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> No, but Keith, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, I know um, it's been a tough for you to get ready to head to Atlanta. Um, I mean, you've been here several times already, but um, thanks again for coming on with us. Um, I mean, I want, want to kind of look back. Uh, like I said, you've been on you know a few Atlanta matches with Mo here at Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta. Um, so based on what you've seen from Atlanta United thus far, what are kind of your impressions of the team, Yakamakis, uh, and how Pineda is looking at person you're familiar with, Pineda, from your time in Seattle, as well as Garth Lagerway, of course, the president. Um, just your thoughts on Atlanta United uh, early on. Yeah, I, I think um, when Atlanta are at full strength, I think that's the, the, the biggest key is when, when everybody's on the field, you look at that squad and you say, well, they can, they can beat anybody. Almada is one of the most creative players you could have in the league. Yakimakis has already shown us that he can lead the line and be not just a goal scorer, but his work rate as well. Um, we spoke with Gonzo, and Gonzo was like, you know, that was one of the first things. He's like, just every aspect of the game that he does, like he's invested in it. He was talking about him saying, hey, should I go back for corners? Should I help here? So he, he's invested in, in being successful. But the issue is kind of like what we saw last week, um, which is when, when players aren't available, I still think this Atlanta United squad from the 11 to the next three or four, there's a big drop. There's a big drop, and and that that can cost you in a in a championship year. Um, oh, look, I just did Seattle. Uh, no Raul Ruiz Diaz, but they have Eber. You know, Jordan Morris can come across. So you think of that squad, and you go, okay, that's a squad that can that that can cope. And I just don't think Atlanta United can cope without the the key players when they're out. Um, and and that would be for me the biggest concern moving on this season. Yeah, and um, you know, I kind of. Again, talk about you know your time with the Sounders. Of course, you know Pineda Gonzo from your time up there. Um, you know, assistant for uh, Brian Smetzer for several years before making the move over. Um, what it, your interactions with him up there in the Pacific Northwest? Uh, did you kind of get the sense that someday he would be a coach in MLS at some point in time? Well, he's, it's funny we go we go so far back. Um, I was calling a, a game for Univision. Um, and Gonza was on the call. So uh, me and Gonza were like, it, it was it was bizarre. Um, I've gone through the UEFA coaching licenses. So I, I got my UEFA A. And when I was in Seattle, um, Gonza was going through that process as well. So we would have some conversations. And first of all, you can just tell he's a student of the game. Um, you know, he's 
not um I, I've never sat with Gonzo and think that he is trying to tell you everything or be the 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 smartest guy in the room. He's a he's a sponge. Like he's 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 one to hey, what did you think? What did you see here? And you can tell that he has clear ideas with that as well. Um I, I mean Gonzo, I, I think Brian Smetzer will tell you was a was a key part of the success for the Sounders over the last few years when he was a, an assistant. Um has an opinion, has a mindset, and I think you kind of saw glimpses of that last year, even with the discipline. You know, here's how I want to play. Joseph Martinez doesn't really fit in. That's difficult, but we have to move on. And and uh, I, I think with that, you have somebody who has the abilities and the the temperament to become a really top coach in this league. Um, and again, I think even at the start of the season, you've seen improvements in the side. I think you've seen the side get better. But again, I go back to the minute one or two players is out, there's an alarm bell there. You know, Giacomacus for me would be the biggest one. I just don't think Machap Chol last week comes in and plays there. It's uh it's a big drop off. But I I think sometimes you can get that mixed up when a team doesn't do well because of the lack of players versus how a coach does. Um I, I think Gonzo would share the blame like anybody when there's a result. But I, I do think with the proper squad, you have a coach that can help you guys com- compete for a, an MLS Cup again. So to piggyback on that, because that's that's been a point of contention going back to last year. And last year it was easy, right, because of the injuries. The injuries last year for Atlanta were historic, actually. It was, it was kind of ridiculous. You look at this year, they got off to a very strong start. And people are starting to go back to the, oh, this is this is all on the coach. This is all the coach's fault. But I think the other side of the argument is, well, we know the players have the talent to execute what he's trying to do, and they're not doing it. So where would the blame then be, do you think? No, knowing Pineda as, as you do, do you, do you realistically think that you can put a lot of the blame on him, or is it is it going to be mostly on the players not executing? Uh, I, I think sometimes you have an idea and you have your starting 11 and they can implement the ideas and, and some of the other players maybe less so. I, I would look, I mean, if, if I'm if I'm going to give it an overhaul look of Atlanta United this year, I would look at Luis Araujo and say, this, this guy should be getting more goals. He should have more goal involvements. Like this is a big name player. I look at Derek Etienne, who comes across as a key signing and I haven't been blown away with Derek when I watched him play, like in terms of his play in the final third. So, I mean, look, every coach's job is to get the best out of the players. So I'm sure Gonzo will say, hey, yeah, that's part of my job. But but I looked at those two in particular, and you guys were mentioning before I came on air, like about Yakamaka scoring or Almada scoring bangers, and then beyond that, where the goal's coming. Well, there's two sources that should be adding goals. And, and when I watch the game, I don't think... Derek Etienne is, is not being put in a position to be successful. I just don't think he's playing well. Uh, Luis Araujo, I just, I, again, I think he's had multiple opportunities in the final third and he doesn't pull the trigger or he, he takes too long when he needs to be a little bit quicker. So I, I would, I, I mean, I, I don't like portioning the blame out, but I would say if you're looking at it and you're evaluating the squad, you'd say those players need to step up. Whether that be, you know, Gonzo finding a way to help that happen, sure. But but I would say the players themselves will put a lot on the on of ownership on themselves to be better in those areas. Yeah, and that makes see, and that that's that's the argument. That's kind of the catch twenty two that we're in, right? You know, I think it's it's fair, especially talking about Arujo because he he's a topic on this show every week, right? Uh, Arujo is getting paid. He's one of the highest paid players in the league, 
and and then you look at the numbers and it's just not there. Going the other side of the field, and I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit of your expertise uh, in the past, but you called the Bundesliga for a long time. And Miles Robinson is a player that uh, we had Taylor Twelman on last week, and he was talking about some of the uh, scouts that he had heard from Bundesliga talking about how Miles Robinson was kind of on their radar. Would Miles be, just in, in kind of your opinion, a player that would fit well in Bundesliga? Do you think that would be the best uh, like European fit for him? Yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I, I'm a big fan of Miles. I think the fact that he comes back in this year, you, you automatically see how good you are defensively. The Columbus game, he's not there. The rest he is. <laughs> yeah. there's, the, there's the body of evidence yeah. you need. Um, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of interest in Miles. I, I think Bundesliga clubs would be interested. I think some Premier League clubs would be interested as well. Um, he's got a really good profile, covers ground well, reads the game well, um, and, and is just a good 1v1 defender. Um, the fact that he's going to be you know, potentially available in, in the manner that he is makes it even more enticing for clubs. But I don't – I mean, look, you look at Austin Trusty, who went across, um, you know, I think in MLS, had done okay – but he goes across to uh, to Europe. He's been named the player of the year at Birmingham in the championship. Uh, I would have Miles as a much better defender than Austin. So, uh, you know, I, I think Miles could go across and be a key figure um, for a Bundesliga team, for a, for a, a Premier League team as well. Um, I mean, look, I, I, look I'm, I'm with Atlanta United guys. I know you guys want him to stay. But uh, I, I think it is going to be exciting to see where he lands. And I, I think whatever happens, he's going to be successful where he goes. Yeah, and I mean, that's the hard part, right? I think it's the manner in which he's probably going to go because you know how much he's worth, right? Yeah. And and then it's just kind of like it's so painful to to just see him just go on a free, which is probably what's going to happen. You don't blame him at all. Like, if you're in Miles' shoes, that's what you do. But he's he's at the age where I think we're, to your point, like he's he's prime and, and ready to go. Like the Achilles was the biggest variable, and he came back from that, I think, stronger than he was before. So – uh, yeah, it, it's it's a painful topic a little bit for the Atlanta Atlanta United <laughs> fans, but for sure. Um, so uh, away from the hypotheticals, though this this weekend, got to talk about the game. What I guess would be your two keys to the to the to either team to pull out a win? Yeah, I, I think I'm interested to see. I, I think I've watched Charlotte a, a, a couple of times over the last few weeks. And they're they're quite good when they don't have the ball, which which may sound weird. Like they're you know the Columbus game, they didn't have much of the ball, but when they had it, they had more shots on goal than Columbus. So they're not afraid to be a really good transition team, be quite direct. I I, I think Atlanta are going to have more possession this weekend. I, I think I think that's clear for me. It's what you can generate with that possession. Can you generate the goal scoring chances? That's one. It sounds like an easy thing, but it, it's it's a big thing. Um, but the second part is when out of possession, how do you stop the transition moments? And, and I think that's where Charlotte have done well. They had a win last weekend. They haven't been that good away from home, which I, I guess is one thing. Um, but, but those would be the two keys for me. It's, it's like you, you're dominating the game. You have more of the ball. You can almost get a false sense of we're in control when the opposition are saying, well, you haven't even got a shot on goal. Um, I, I think the Columbus crew, I think it was like 65% or something like that. And they had, two shots on goal and Charlotte had 35 and they had six shots. It, it, it was some, some skewed numbers like that. I, I may be off on the numbers, but I could, I could see that kind of game uh, developing if you're, if you're on Charlotte's side. Um, 
the key for Atlanta is making sure they don't generate anything in those transition moments and you make that possession a possession with a purpose and, and really get chances yourselves in front of goal. I'm afraid of Yakamakis. If he does play, I like we're not sure if he's going to be able to play 90 minutes. If, if he returns, Pineda has seemed to be very careful um, with players coming back from injury, obviously because of everything that happened last year. But if it gets, if he's only able to play, say 60 minutes and the game is still tied, that's when we lose confidence. I think in this team, because we were talking about it on our, on our ratings episode earlier this week, it's there haven't been many strikers for Atlanta United besides Yakamakis and Joseph Martinez that has scored. And that's that I think that's the worry is can you get a goal in early, get the lead before possibly he has to get out of the game? No, it, it, it's weird. And it's a really good point the way you put it. It's like, on one hand, you're like, yes, we have this great striker who scores goals and when he's available. And then it's like, okay, what happens when he doesn't score? And and, and again, I, I'll go back to what we said at the very start. I'm looking at, if I'm if I'm Gonzalo Pineda, if I'm an Atlanta United fan, I'm saying, Derek Etienne, you have to start delivering. Um, you have to be amongst the goals. He should be, for me, Derek Etienne should be a, an 8-12 to 12 goal player in, a, in MLS in a season. Um, I think Luis Araujo should be a, a 10 to, to 12 goals, eight to 10 assists kind of player in terms of what 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 his compensation is and what the expectations are with that. Um, that that's the concern for me as well with Atlanta. Who is going to step up? Um, even things like set piece goals. Can you can you generate more from those situations? And it, it, it is, you know, I would imagine if it continues like this. And Giacomacca scores goals, and when he's not there, Atlanta lose. There'll be a lot of locker room talk elsewhere where you go, well, we'll just stop him and we'll get a result. And you don't want to become that team. Um, so we're still early in the season. We're still in that, you know, first first third of the season where I think you're feeling each other out. But I think now is starting to be the time where you're saying to those, those other attacking players, you have to deliver. You have to deliver. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens this weekend. So, you know, this is obviously a derby. Uh, Charlotte, you know, what, three and a half hours away, even shorter on a flight. So I imagine that there will be a lot of Charlotte FC fans in the building, as there were a lot of Atlanta United fans up at Bank of America right up 85 um, a few few weeks ago. Uh, I mean, you've called the Cascadia Derby numerous times, and that's kind of in the class of its own. Um, El Travico kind of in the class of its own. Um, but what, then you have Atlanta United, you have Nashville, you have before that Orlando, and we were talking a few weeks ago how Orlando kind of seemed manufactured from a Derby standpoint. But then you have Nashville, which is kind of strengthened. Um, you have maybe Miami to a lesser extent. Then you have Charlotte, which is still kind of a near club in the league, um, still kind of finding their legs, still trying to you know, capture themselves, capture the moment here in MLS. Uh, from a rivalry standpoint, from a Derby standpoint, how far do you think that an Atlanta Charlotte Derby could go in MLS? And do you think that eventually it could become maybe one of, maybe not the premier Derby in MLS, because I already mentioned Cascadia and El Trafico, but kind of one of those that, because appointment viewing, do you feel that's maybe sooner rather than later? Or do you feel that still there's still time that needs to happen before that becomes reality? Yeah, I, I think. We look at what are the key elements of a rivalry, right? Which, for me, I always look to the first thing, which is the fans. Um, if, if the fans are bought in, if there's two good fan bases who 
genuinely hate to see each other do well, um, you're on the road to being a successful um, rival. And I think you have that here. It's a little bit different in this country because you mentioned three and a half hour flight. You're not likely to leave your house and walk into a Charlotte FC fan and go, oh God, I don't want to see this guy if we lose a game or whatever. <laughs> um, but the fact that Charlotte will have fans in attendance, that <clears throat> you guys will send fans to Charlotte when you play there. And that, that for me develops the rivalry. Um, and I think with you guys, you guys are like the bigger team in this rivalry now, now because you came into the league first. You have an MLS Cup and um, whether you like it or not, they're gunning for you. You know, Charlotte are like, we want to be, we want to beat them. We want to take right. them down a peg or two. So, I mean, you can say, Atlanta fans can say, no, we don't consider them a rivalry. Okay, well, you you better because those mm. teams are the ones that keep gunning for you. Um, you have to take on those competitors as well. So for me, you know, I spoke with Mo about it. You know, we're excited about the fact that, you know, Charlotte have come in and they've kind of zeroed in on Atlanta. As that's one of the teams we don't like. We want to beat them. Um, and, it, and it makes exciting for uh, an exciting narrative for us in, in the booth because first yeah. thing when we get up there, you'd be like, oh, man, there's the Charlotte fans. Like, how is that interaction? Um, and there's two things as a fan I love. Um, you know, I love hearing the sound of my own fans when we, we – we win and score. I love the silence of the opposition fans <laughs> as well. And when you look across and you can have the, you know, the little wave, enjoy that, enjoy the flight home, that kind yeah. of thing. Uh, all in good fun, of course. Um, but, but I think, I think that's going to generate a really, really good rivalry and two good fan bases, two incredible stadium game day atmospheres. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be there and I'm excited to watch the, this, this rivalry develop as well. Yeah, from a regional standpoint, you know, I already mentioned Nashville, Miami, um, Orlando, um, Charlotte, Atlanta. It, it it's amazing to see how the sport has grown here in the Southeast. I mean, you know, the Atlanta Chiefs have, are a huge part, of course, of Atlanta soccer history. Silverbacks. Um, so that seed that's already been planted here in Atlanta has just exploded here the past few years. Um, but now you see it spread. I mean, I, again, Nashville. Charlotte, Orlando, Miami, it, it's just amazing development of the game. I mean, it's always been there, but just the growth of the game has been terrific. And, you know, look at Miami. You know, if they sign Messi, if they sign Busquets or whoever. <laughs> It'll be yeah, everybody's that, rival if they exactly, sign Messi. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, just it's, it's amazing to see. Um, I mean, Grant, I'm not from here. Tyler is from here. Tommy is from out of state. But it's amazing to see just the growth of the sport here in the Southeast and just the best is yet to come. I feel in this region, at least. Yeah. I, I mean, I, my first state when I came to America was Georgia. So I arrived in Georgia and I, I always tell this joke. There's like, uh, I couldn't believe how big baseball was in Georgia. Like the, the news would be like world war three is about to begin, but <laughs> let's first head, let's first hear from Chipper Jones who went two for three today. Yeah. And I'm like, these guys absolutely love their sports. Like they love, you know, I think I was there when the Falcons made a run. I don't know whether they lost in the conference final or they made the, they made the, the Super Bowl, the dirty birds and all that. Like it was, yeah. I, I, I loved, I love being in Georgia. And I always wondered, like, I remember the silverbacks and I was like, man, I, w I wonder what an MLS team would be like. And, and I'll be honest when it started, I was like, I, I hope it goes well, but the way Atlanta captured everything in the city they didn't cater they catered to everybody because atlanta's 
just an incredible city. Like it, it's just the mix of people. It's it's a young like for me. It's 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 just a great. It just has an incredible vibe to be in. So you know when I go there now and I hear you know Atlanta United playing this week and I'm, I I think back to when I first got there and I hear Chipper and Andrew Jones and Greg like. It's cool. It's cool. Atlanta are on the map. Um, you know, I would say Southeast soccer is on the map in large part to, to the way Atlanta came in and, and kind of just took control. They said, we're, we're, we're going to make a, a mark from day one. They have. Yeah. They're still making a mark. And, uh, you know, what, what you guys do, shows like this matter because they play a massive part in the, in the, in the push and the culture of our sport. So it's, it's incredible to see. Um, and, and long may it continue. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's always good to hear, right? <laughs> um, so I got a I got a kind of off the cuff question. Has Mo given you any really good places to go eat since you're partnering with him and you're going to be here? So so a couple of things with Mo and myself, right? Mo, I, I love independent coffee places. Mo likes okay. Mo likes very traditional coffee. I mean, I don't want to give any coffee place a plug, but um, <laughs> so Mo. I mean, you my, are. You were up in Seattle for a little bit. Yeah. You were up in Seattle for a little bit, so yeah. <laughs> I think you know about a big coffee chain up there. <laughs> I live in LA. I drive thirty minutes to get my coffee because there's this guy that owns this place. I like giving him business. And, yeah. Uh, by the way, it's really good coffee. So we argue about this all the time. And then the other thing we argue about is where do you want to eat? We'll send each other recommendations, and he'd be like, "Make a choice." I'm like, "Whatever you want." And he'd be like, "This guy, this guy." Like so. <laughs> We go back and forth over that. Um, I, I found out you guys have a Nobu, right? I believe so. I want to say yes, but I don't want to steer you wrong. <laughs> yeah, so I've only, I've only ever been to the one in L.A. once. I don't live that far from it. Sure. I'm like, I kind of want to see what Nobu in Atlanta would be like. Like, I, I do want to see that. But we, we definitely have arguments. Um, I, I would say <laughs> Mo ends up having to take the lead in terms of booking a place. I, I will, I'll tell you this, in, in uh, Houston... He said, I got a place. We get to it. And it was basically a nightclub with a table for us to eat. Like this music was like, <laughs> and I'm gone. Maybe, maybe that explains about Mo. Like he's, he's, uh, he's still got that. Uh, he still got that in him, but the food was good, but I couldn't hear yeah. a thing that anybody said, but <laughs> yeah, we get along well. Um, I enjoy being in the booth with him because, you know, joking aside, he's one of the best in terms of being a student of the game. Um, but we'll definitely fight about where we're going to eat after the game. That's for sure. I'm sure you've been to the varsity, right? I mean, you you've lived in Georgia for a little bit. I'm sure you've been to the varsity no, in downtown no. Atlanta. Not no. yet. Okay. Well, you gotta get Mo to take you there. Or you gotta the take varsity. Mo there at some point. Enjoy it together. I'm sure he's at it, but okay. I'm done. That's that's in this weekend for sure. <laughs> Don't go. go before you call the game, or you will not make it to the game. I'm just hundred percent. Don't don't do it. Do it after. Okay. Okay. Done. <laughs> it's worth it, yeah. but you need some time after. Okay, so the Absolutely. Boston City Saturday night, I'm there. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Keith, we really appreciate your time. Um, looking forward to the match on Saturday. I know you and Mo will have a great time in the booth, and um, always welcome back anytime. Appreciate you. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Enjoy the game this weekend. Uh, so if I oh. see you at the, the bins this weekend, because um, I'll be up in the press box too, if I see you, there's yeah. a name that is escaping me right now, and it's a Seattle-based coffee company that has multiple locations oh, in Atlanta. If you, have, if you have coffee locations, hit me. Hit me. <laughs> I'll bring it. If I see you, I'll let we you gotta know. we got to educate Mo. we got to educate Mo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go. get him on the right page. <laughs> have a good one, guys. All appreciate right. It. Cheers, Keith. Thank you. See ya. Awesome.
So Keith Costigan will be calling the match with Mo Adu on MLS Season Pass on Saturday. And I think, Tyler, I think I know that coffee place you're talking about. It has that very familiar green logo, doesn't it? It's based in Seattle. No, not that one. I'm not, I'm not talking about that one. No, there's oh, the other a, one. A Like a, a good – I don't want to say that that one you're talking about is not good. But it's like a <laughs> – it's a smaller – like they only have areas in Atlanta and I think Seattle. And, I mean – Jason's coming on a minute. He may know what I'm talking about because he knows everything about Atlanta too. Um, <laughs> but it's it's on the tip of my tongue, and I'm gonna find it before the end of the show. But yeah, it's yeah. it's not the one you're thinking of. I promise. Okay. Why are we talking okay. about it like it's Beetlejuice? Say <laughs> it three times, it's gonna pop you, up in my hand, and I have to represent. Because well, your app knows. Like, do you notice like your at your your phone if you drive by like a Chipotle or. I'll say it. Come on, Starbucks. You walk by, all of a sudden your phone will be like, "Would you like to order your previous drink that right. you ordered last?" Like, <laughs> if we talk about it, all our phones are going to go off and say, "Ask yeah. if we want a latte." So yeah, now exactly. everybody's going to have whatever Facebook. Oh man, yeah, human beings. Exactly. Just, I've never it's heard. Not, of right. <laughs> now everybody's in the chat. It's not Seattle's. Care repeat. Seattle's best. Caribou. Look, y'all, y'all all carry these. it on for a second. I'm going to find it, right. and then I will let y'all know. While you do that. Yeah, while you do that, Jason Longshore, what is your favorite coffee place in Atlanta? Man, you're asking the wrong person. I like <laughs> a lot of Red Bull, not coffee. Um, you're the Red Bull guy. I, I'm trying to do more coffee, to be honest. Uh, usually, like, cold brew stuff. Um, I like cafe con leche, so okay. I'll go in that direction. Um, if I had to go have coffee somewhere in Atlanta, it's going to be Buena Gente over in Decatur, uh, mm. Cuban style. Their their cafe con leche is very good. Okay, Dancing Goats is another one that's a good kind of chain ish kind of Wait, thing, but not. It, say that again. Dancing Goats is okay. that the one you were trying to think? I of? actually think that is the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> that's what I was <laughs> thinking. Possibly, I, I didn't know how chainy it was. Well, I know they have a few in Seattle, and then they have like a couple here. Yeah, um, I didn't know they had any in Seattle. They've got the one over by Pont City Market. That's a, a good little location. I like that spot. And then a really yeah. good one over in Decatur as well. Yeah, okay. So it's Atlanta, Georgia, Olympia, and Tacoma, Washington, and St. Petersburg, Florida. So that, that is might the be one. the one. Okay. Yeah. That is the one. Well, there you so, go. Problem solved. There we go. Thank you. Tommy, <laughs> when you're back. Yeah, when you're down here, Tommy, you got to take notes, man. We'll get you to a nice coffee place. I managed a coffee shop uh, all through college, so. That's uh, why I don't drink coffee anymore. I was a monster guy for uh, like okay. three gotcha. years. But one month yesterday without a monster. It's, it's a very proud time for me. There you go. Nice. Good for you. There you go. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. Thank uh, you. <laughs> um, yeah. Jason, how's it going? Welcome back. Great to have you back. Always good to have you on. Um, yeah. How's things been? Me back. Yeah. How's things been going with you, I guess? Busy. Busy. Um, I had the Georgia State High School playoffs last year. Or last week. Um, mm-hmm. Feels like last year at this point. Uh, <laughs> eight games in four days and then went to Fort Lauderdale. And we know how that went. And then did Georgia Storm mm-hmm. and NPSL on Sunday. So it was a a 10-game run from Tuesday through Sunday. And Oof. I'm almost recovered. There you go. You got a big Man. week coming up. <laughs> Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, right? Man, it it doesn't stop. Um, it, it's it's Saturday this week, then Saturday. twos on Sunday, um, then Wednesday, then next week. I know we've got Saturday, and I, I can't remember when the twos play next week. Um, I think I've got that too. So you know, 
it just it's always going nonstop. Yeah. yeah, nonstop. It's that time of year. <laughs> it's it's every time of year. Tyler, that's what are you talking true. about? That's true. That's true. <laughs> so. I got a quick question for you, just yeah. because we can talk about Atlanta, but we have the Open Cup right now. What happened last night that you were just like any anything that that kind of stood out to you? Any Minnesota Philly was exceedingly drunk. Um, yeah. Kai Wagner rescuing it in extra time or extra in stoppage time, sending it to extra time, rescuing it in extra time, sending it to penalties, and then not converting on his penalty. I mean, come <laughs> on. Just, yeah, it's awful. Um, that game was crazy. Uh, so far today, not too much early on. Columbus is boat racing Loudon United, which you would expect. Um, I'm looking forward to Memphis and Birmingham. Me you know, too. I mean, Memphis is seven in a row without a loss. And obviously, you know, I got to know Stephen Glass and, and his wife Carla really well during their time here in Atlanta. I've kept in touch with them. Um, hoping for all the success in the world for for Memphis and for Steven because he deserves it. And I mean, you know, we can go back to the open cup game here. They were up for it and they had to fight and it took a little, a little bit of a fortunate penalty late. Um, Philip Goodrum found the penalty that they were struggling to find the breakthrough. There wasn't a whole lot in it, um, but that's it. And that was the breakthrough and that's the magic of the cup, right? That's why it's yeah. so fun. Sometimes so, it's fun. I think in this yeah, case, right. it's actually a good thing for Atlanta United because with all these midweek games coming up and, and your ghost, not, you know, all the way, all the way back yet, but it's looking good for this week so far. Um, it's good to not have extra games. You know, <laughs> this season is just one with the compressed nature of the schedule. Um, it's good to not have the extra games for this team. I think, I think it'll serve them well in the long run. Yeah. The, we were uh... talking with Taylor. That was, Sorry, Tyler. I was just saying, no, we, we were talking to Taylor about the, the rosters just in general, right? And, you know, DPs and, and the future. And you see all these games getting added. You know, you got the Summer Leagues Cup coming up. Do you see the rosters changing at some point yeah. in, in the next few years to, to give the teams better depth? Because we've dealt with this crazy compressed schedule, you know, a few summers ago. And the quality of the midweek games were, were just bad. And now you're just adding all these games in. Are, are you concerned about that? And do you think they'll change it sooner than later? Honestly, I'm not that worried about it this year. I, I think there is, I mean, you have more midweek league games right now than you're accustomed to. And you got to deal with that. But League's Cup, what it affects, like the actual League's Cup games, I think will be great. I, I think what it affects is like now where there's more midweek games that are going to pile up. I do think rosters will change, but honestly, it's twofold. I mean, yeah, you can give more cap space and more senior roster spots and go sign guys, and you're going to be pulling from USL Championship. In some cases, you're going to be pulling from South American leagues. In some cases, European leagues, obviously. But the other side is it, it should be a push to develop your own players better. And that's the the game changer to me. I mean, that's why Philly is able to do what they do. That's why teams that develop talent, it's what's going on here as well. I mean, from a, a shorter runway, you're really into the first generation of guys who have grown up in a professional environment. And that's the game changer because that's what happens in other leagues. I mean, I think we have this idea in American soccer that, 
you know, like no other league in the world has a compressed schedule. Yes, they do. Like, you know, I mean, you got two cup competitions in England because they're savages. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> so like in those competitions, what happens is the young guys who are coming through the academy who get the games early on, they're the ones who get that opportunity to break through. And, and look, the Atlanta game, I think, is a prime example of that to a degree where you didn't get the breakthrough that you needed. Um, you needed better performances from some of the young players or players on the fringes of the first team roster that were getting an opportunity in a competitive match. You needed better performances in that game and you didn't get them. And it's a learning lesson and it's an opportunity to push forward. But I think you have to do both. Like you need to increase the roster if it's size if it's cap money whatever you need to do both and you need to do that sooner rather than later and i think if league's cup is successful then you'll have the financial mechanism to say look we made this much money by doing this extra tournament we're going to put it into the rosters and, and grow the talent base better but you also still and some clubs won't ever do it well some clubs will do it incredibly well because they won't go spend externally but you have to continue to push to develop your own talent that's the game changer for me is when you've got more than just a handful of teams in this country who are developing professional talent at young ages. That's when the national team changes. That's when American soccer changes. Um, when you get more Caleb Wiley's, for example, that's when it really starts to change. This guy's getting professional games under his belt at 15 and at 18. He does not play like an 18 year old. He plays no. like a grown man. Yeah. So I guess, Sorry, I was just going to jump in real quick and kind of – you're talking about Leagues Cup, Jason. Yeah. Um, you know, if MLS does well in Leagues Cup, you know, I would argue, you know, if MLS doesn't do well in Leagues Cup, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, you know, if MLS just gets its hat handed to it by Liga MA Keys, would that be kind of the tipping off point for Garbage to say, okay, we need to really look at things from a roster standpoint and get ourselves in a position where, you know, we're more competitive with, you know, our the neighbors down south. Yeah, it's both. I mean, what I was saying was League's Cup from a financial standpoint, when it's successful, I think then that's your mechanism to invest more because there, there's another bucket of money coming in. But yeah, you're right. Either way. I mean, I think if you if you do well in League's Cup, which I think MLS teams should, if it's a toss up between the top teams in both leagues, which is very, very likely um, if, you know, MLS teams struggle. Um, any of any of those, you can justify spending more. But I think the biggest thing is going to be the growth of the business. And, you know, I I, I go round and round about it because, I mean, look, I love this game at all levels and I love the growth of it. And I, I'm a romantic about that side of it. But it is a business. And to do the things that I think people want to see MLS do in terms of spending more and allowing a bigger cap and more designated players or no designated players and just a unlimited cap or whatever, you got to make more money. I mean, that's what it comes down to because I mean, it's not my money they're spending, you know, I, I don't get to, to judge that. So you got to make more money coming in and leagues cup is a really interesting idea that I think will be successful in the long term, And I think it will be emulated by other leagues around the world. Um, Belgium and the Netherlands should be the next one to do it. It would be a no-brainer for those two to grow their leagues and grow their business. Because, I mean, where else are you going to grow the business? You know, you're, you're going to get sponsors. You're going to get more sponsors sometimes. TV is what it is, and you're in a great spot with Apple with a, a really good base to build off of there. Um, expansion has limits, you know. I mean, there's going to be at least one more and probably three more coming in. And 
look, that might be $1.5 billion or more. Um, but then, then that's gone. Yep. So you've got to find ways to grow the business. And I'd rather see them at a league's cup than increase ticket prices. You know what I mean? So I think league's cup is something that should be first off. I think it'll be an awesome competition. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Second, it should be something that's celebrated because if you want the league to grow, this is a prime way to do it by creating a new bucket of revenue that can then be invested back into the league. Yeah. And to kind of piggyback on that and, and going back to what you were talking about before, but the academies, the twos teams, next pro, how do you feel the league is sitting right now with some of the bigger, I guess, developmental clubs like Philly, Atlanta, um, Seattle, I guess Dallas probably included in that conversation for sure. Uh, you, you were playing in USL for a long time, relatively. Mm-hmm. Now you're dropping an X-Pro. Dropping being maybe in quotes. But we, we were there the other day when Bocanegra talked about how the league impressed him, but it wasn't quite up to where he thought it would be. It's different. Yeah. What, what do you, I guess what are your thoughts on how that's going to change the development in the next couple of years? In the long run, it's going to be better. Um, in the short term, it's different. I don't think it's worse. I don't think it's a drop down. It's different. Um yeah, I mean, I, I called all the twos games on ESPN Plus, and, and we're doing them now with, with soccer down here from a radio perspective. And what I love about Next Pro is it's a better level than I thought it would be, um, just straight out of the gate. It is a more diverse tactical league than USL Championship. I think USL Championship, you get a little more of teams playing similarly from place to place. and typically which look is not all that abnormal for second divisions anywhere um pro rail or no pro rail you're gonna have players who aren't as technical so tactically you're gonna have to be maybe a little more focused on pace and power and playing direct and size and strength and these kinds of things and usl championship gave young mls players good tests in that you know it was good for uh, your Caleb Wiley's to get those games in USL championship going up against guys who were twice or more of his age um, and were bigger and stronger and had more experience. Um, but MLS next pro it's been interesting to see how teams approach it because there's been more of those 24 to 28 year olds signed than I thought there would be. Um, again, the tactics, you know, you're more often somewhat emulating what your first team is going to play. And MLS is a far more diverse league tactically than USL championship. So it's been good. Um, And it's been different each week. I mean, you know, Orlando plays very differently than Philly, which played very differently than new England. So that's a good thing for the young players. And I think as you get another decade down the line, because I mean, honestly, we're all like, you know, toddlers in this at this point, when you get another decade down the line and you're producing better talented players, then the league is better. And when you get more 15 and 16 year olds breaking through and not just playing or debuting, but starring, you know, things will change. And I think one of the biggest things going back to roster rules and stuff with MLS, because we're all over the place tonight, this is great. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I would love to see MLS, U.S. soccer, USL needs to be involved in this as well because their academies are starting to develop talent in in good ways. Um, And they need to sit down with the NCAA and and say, look, 
if these guys do not sign professional contracts, they need to be allowed to play in MLS. Right now you can play in USL. Why? Where's the line? Like that's a, that's a dumb line to draw. Um, they're not going to sign a pro deal. They're an academy player. They're on an amateur contract. They want to keep their eligibility to potentially play in college. If they don't get a pro deal at 18, they should be allowed to be called up. And if you want to put the, the four call up slash two game limitation on it, that's fine. I think that needs to expand. Uh, and I, I would expand it next year. I, I'd go more to like six and three or eight and four, to be honest, yeah. to yeah. allow those second teams to be true feeders. But the academy players who aren't on pro deals, you should be able to give them a nice test in an open cup game in a midweek regular season game where you're a little banged up. That's what happens everywhere else in the world. And I think it would be a great addition. You just need to get the NCAA to make the the separation from, okay, you can play in USL, which is second division, but you can't play in MLS. It should be, if you can play in one, you can play in both. And that's, I hope changes. So to kind of add on to that in terms of like letting the young guys play, how do you feel about, thankfully Atlanta's not dealing with it. We talked about it a little bit before you got on, but I mean, they're letting Caleb Wiley go to the, the World Cup, which they should. But you have teams that aren't. Yep. I mean, There's- I understand the 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 whys and all that, mm-hmm. but ultimately, don't you think it? I mean, you answer this, but I I personally think it's better let them have the opportunity. If you can't handle it for a week, for two weeks, for a month without you know your one of your U twenties, then you probably got bigger problems. Uh, it depends. I mean, I I think in a perfect world, yes. And I think I would always opt to letting them go. But, you know, LA Galaxy, for example, let, I think, one player go and one player not because they have an injury crisis in the back. So they needed to keep Jalen Neal. Um, that's okay. I, I Look, that happens yeah. sometimes. Um, Injuries, I, I get. Yeah, and, and it's not an MLS thing either. And I think it's something that people have to understand. You know, I think there's there's a certain subset of American soccer who – Anytime they can point and yell at MLS, they take it. And this is not an MLS conversation. This is a soccer conversation. France, I think, had 28 call-ups denied for their U-20s. And I mean, you're talking like second division teams who are fighting relegation said no. So, like, it happens everywhere. Um, Paxson Aronson wasn't allowed to come. And and that's one. Look, I get it. He's he's factoring into their games. They've got, uh, they've got some games coming up, some big games. I get it. Um, in a perfect world, they would be able to go. In a perfect world, the tournament wouldn't be overlapping with important games. And that's something that I think FIFA needs to figure out on a long-term perspective. This year from a calendar, it's a little different than it should be because of the World Cup being where it was and seasons running a little bit longer because of that. So maybe this is a little bit more of a one-time thing. But I would like to see in the long term, if you're going to still do two-year U17, U20 World Cups, do it in the summer window, either at the be- preferably at the beginning of the summer window where you can get guys to come in. If you do it late, you're going to get teams that want guys to come into their preseason. And for young players, that's incredibly important. So if you do it early, like if you look at the calendar essentially, and you might have a couple cup finals that overlap. Um, if you do it really about this time in general, I think most years it's not going to be as big of an issue. MLS will always be an outlier. There's other leagues as well. Brazil, Argentina. I mean, Javier Mascherano wasn't able to get everybody he wanted from Argentina either. So it's there's always going to be an issue somewhere. But in a perfect world, you allow them to go. But I'm never going to say that 
anybody who doesn't allow their players to go is wrong because I think it's a team by team and a player by player basis. And it keeps USA Twitter away from Atlanta United posts. That's oh, one of the most geez. important things there. Yeah, yeah. I love how Atlanta United got <laughs> ended up somehow getting uh, thrown under the bus on this with not letting guys go. And again, it's every player in every situation is different. Um, there's not a blanket statement you can make. And not every competition is the same either. Like a World Cup is a different conversation than a continental qualifying tournament where you should get through, for example. You know, stuff like that. For sure. Uh, Jason, we were talking about the, the form of the team, you know, lately and missing, missing Yakamakis. And it, it got us into a deeper conversation about missing Joseph Martinez. You know, Joseph goes down in, in 2020 and you're, you're just trying to bring in guys, you know, trying to at least fill the void. Right. And I don't know if it's fair to say that they haven't done well, because it seems like a lot of these people, players have come in Kubo, Adam, John uh, name, name them all. And the service hasn't been there for a lot of these players. Like I've wanted to blame the players and I thought about it and like, they haven't always had the opportunity. They haven't gotten the ball and Yakamakis comes in and he's like an immediate impact. Right. And like, we've seen Barry and we've seen Chol and yes, they've gotten a few opportunities, but it seems like the, the striker disappears at, at times when it's not Joseph Martinez, where it's not Yakamakis. Is the style of the play change? Um, do they not have the confidence in him? Like, I, I feel like Miguel Barry should be better than what he is right now. And it doesn't seem like he's getting enough touches where he, on the field. Yeah, he's definitely not getting enough touches. That, that's for sure. Um, he's very different than Yakamakis, and it hasn't. It hasn't changed, in my opinion, the way that I thought it would. I, I thought as he got kind of embedded more into the system, he would make more runs off the ball, especially those in behind to stretch a team. And Barry's the kind of number nine who wants to drop and combine and help play through, which is is a very useful tactic. He's got good feet. He's got good touch. But with this team, I think that hurts more than it helps. I think they need that space. And I talked about it. I felt like all last year where Joseph showed that he either, you know, couldn't or wouldn't make those runs to stretch the team that it, it just, it folded in on itself. It was like an accordion that you squeeze in together and there was nowhere to operate. Now, Tiago Almada is a wizard. He's going to go find spaces to operate in, but a lot of times, and, and I don't have a problem with him dropping, but I want him to find more dangerous spaces in the attacking half than have to drop to find any space to be able to get the team forward. So, you know, you've got to get that part operating. I, I think Machop Chol is still a work in progress as a nine. Um, I think he's figuring out those runs to make. And the big thing that you can't quantify here, I do think the service was okay. And I, I'd, you know, I kind of thought back to that as well. Um, you know, I'll I'll say this, that in 2020, if you have Joseph Martinez, um, as opposed to not having him, and you got the exact same service that you got from Brooks Lennon in that season, Brooks Lennon has double-digit assists. And I think Brooks never getting the opportunity to play with Prime Joseph, uh, it's a shame for his assist numbers. I mean, Brooks is, um, I'll go ahead and make a, a a hot take. I think Brooks Lennon might be the most underappreciated Atlanta United player ever. Um, the guy's a, 
a, just a warrior first off. He's greatly improved his 1v1 defending, um, and it's something that he's worked on. It's something Gonzalo Pineda told us that was a big focus for him and focus for the team this year, and he's had great performances 1v1. I, I can't think of a time that he's been beat 1v1 to cost you anything. Um, service has been great for him, and that's what he's known for. I, I think the biggest thing that's hard to quantify and you said about playing the team playing differently. And I think it's a, a subconscious thing because there's an attitude, there's a presence, there is uh, that side of it that you're, you're never going to be able to quantify numbers. And I think your ghost and prime Joseph gave you that you wanted to feed them because you believed they would score every time they touched the ball with other forwards Maybe not. Maybe you feel like you have to have the perfect ball in. Maybe you, you don't just put a cross in and let him go up and get it. Your ghost, you're putting a cross in his vicinity, and you <laughs> trust that he's going to go make something happen out of it more often than not. With others, maybe you don't. Maybe then you hold it. Maybe you try to rework it to get that better shot. And look, Atlanta's done a good job in terms of getting quality shots this year. And that was a big criticism last year. Um you know, and this is one you can quantify to a degree. XG has its limitations, but your XG per shot, Atlanta United is a top five team in Major League Soccer. They're not shooting as much, but they're taking better shots, which was a big conversation at the end of this year. So it's this weird thing. And, and I, I, honestly, the game in Fort Lauderdale, it really hit me. And I talked about it on Atlanta Soccer tonight this week. It hit me with Andrew Gutman going forward which is going to sound really strange, but Gutman has a presence on the field. And again, this, this isn't something you can quantify with numbers. Gutman will make things happen. He's got that it factor, you know, he'll, he'll put his head down and he'll charge into the 18. And does it always look smooth? Like, like it's Luis Adarujo dribbling forward? No, but does Gutman make things happen and unbalance an opponent? Yeah. And he started to do that. I think the first 30 minutes, Atlanta had three shots. They had a great opportunity for Machoke Chol that he didn't convert um, on a header from about eight yards out. But after that, it kind of stagnated a little bit because Miami was being comfortable and, and careful. And Gutman started to force it a little bit. And this team's good enough at winning the ball back with their counter pressure that I think you can afford to do that. With a Yakamakis, he's always forcing the play. And, and not with the ball, but with his movement, with his mannerisms with his presence joseph obviously did that we we know how he did that at his best so it's it's a it's a little bit of x's and o's in terms of the movement it's a little bit of attitude which is hard to quantify but this is something that teams suffer with and this is uh, an mls thing for sure because of the cap and and your limitations and the city last year without alan Polito is another prime example if you lose that number nine that you expect to carry you nobody maybe outside of the galaxy who have two that they can't figure out what to do with at times. <laughs> nobody has a second number nine that yep. has the same presence as, as your starter. And it's just such a hard element. Chemistry is a weird thing. And I think when you have Yorgos Yakamakis in this team, the chemistry all makes sense. And when you don't, you don't have that alpha dog that I, I think is is in the team that that carries that presence and demands the ball um, and makes you play it to him. So who do you go get? And the reason I ask that is because we had Mike on here a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and he we asked him kind of, when the summer window gets here, 
what are you looking to do if you were playing Boca Negra for a day? Okay. What do you do? If and he said, I would definitely look at the backup, okay. backup striker position. He said backup striker. If yeah. everybody's healthy, I'm assuming is, is a Yes. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And you're not going to lose anybody. Right. Everybody right. stays. This roster Hypothetically, stays together. It's just as it is now, it would take away the injuries. But you know you need depth. I guess we're talking about depth specifically. The backup striker position, you know you've got Yakamakis barring the hamstring. Well, I mean, it's kind of up in the air. Who I got to be realistic in that I probably don't have a lot of cap space to work with. So, I mean, we can play that hypothetical game all day, but this team was pretty good when they were fully healthy at the beginning. And that was as Yorgos Yakimakis was getting embedded into it. I'm not forcing anything. If I have everybody sticking around, if I have everybody healthy, if I don't have any long-term injury issues, I'm not forcing anything. If I can get a number nine that, again, like you're not going to get that, you're not going to get a number nine that has the same presence. I, ju- I don't think you will. Um, the only one, and it's interesting, he was on the roster last year. He has a presence for sure. Dom Dwyer, and he's available. And he was at a Braves game last night. Um, yes, he was. <laughs> you know, I mean, like if that's something that is lacking – then that's one way to solve it. And when you get into realistic additions, that's one. Because it appears, and this is from the MLS website we were looking at today on stoppage time, I think you've got a supplemental roster spot to work with. I think you can make that happen. And and that's really about the only kind of move you're looking at is a supplemental roster spot. So like, I, I think sometimes criticism of front offices and MLS is not done fairly because of the limitations of roster and cap and, and acquisitions and all these kinds of things. And I think Atlanta, as it was built to start the season, really good. And if everybody's healthy, I'm not forcing anything just to shake it up. And if, you know, obviously the one is if you're going to lose Tiago, then you've got to figure out what happens there, but that's out of your hands to a degree. Right. If, if you were, I frame it kind of the same way I did with Mike, but if you were Boca Negra, and we're talking about Dom Dwyer, if he could come back, if he wanted to come back, would there be any reason to not bring him back? Not that, that I'm aware of. Back? No, not that I'm aware of. Um, you know, you, you then are going to have to think about, okay, that's going to cut into Chole's time developing. Do you see Chole as somebody who can turn into – a a kind of a utility attacking player who can play as a nine, play as a winger, maybe even play as a 10 a little bit. Um, Cause that's going to take time away from him. Um, you have to weigh those, those things. I never heard anything bad about Dwyer in the locker room. Never heard anything about him being an issue. Um, he's a big personality, but I think he blended into the team really well last year. I, I liked what he brought to the team. Uh, that personality and, and attitude, uh, I think, was a good thing with that group last year. I think it might be an even better thing with the group now. Um, you, you do have to weigh, okay, how old you know he is at this point and his injury history. And can you get another year out of him for the money that would require to put him on the roster? And, and that's one that you know, I don't I don't know his injury history in front of me and kind of how they felt about it last year, but I think it was okay. You know, it's it's worth a shot. I don't I don't have an issue with it, um, but I also don't think it is a dramatic need again because you're never going to get the number nine that you want. That is the 
direct replacement like for like for a Yorgos Yakimakis. So you have to accept that it's going to be different. I'd be fine with Dom Dwyer being that guy. So when, when you take a look at this team over the last three matches against Memphis, we talked about Memphis a little bit um, against Nashville when I don't want to say they got played off the pitch, but still Nashville. No, they were, did not get played off the pitch. Yeah. I will well, thoroughly disagree with that. Well, no, I, I'm not saying they did, but I will say Nashville, you know, we're the better team at that day, I think. Uh, not not played off the pitch. That's that's not what I'm saying. But, um, yeah, and Miami, you know, just three losses in a row. And, again, we I feel like you talked about this just a little bit earlier, but is it, is it an attitudinal thing with this team? I mean, we talked about the roster. We talked about the players. I mean, Gutman, I agree with you, is, you know, just – yeah, he had the presence, a strong presence against Miami. But, you know, we mentioned the service, and I, I feel like anytime this team tries to get service for their players up front, outside of Yakimakis, nothing happens. I mean, is it just an attitudinal thing, a motivational thing? I mean, what 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 what's going on? I mean, roster things aside, roster aside, what needs to happen for this team to play to a level that is acceptable and can get themselves, you know, more points. I think it's a location thing as much as anything. Um, they were on the road. And yeah. it's something that, you know, I mean, it's easy to dismiss, but I, I, I ran the numbers. It's They're right there. The Eastern Conference, there's only 16 road wins from every Eastern Conference team combined. That's it. The, the average points per game for Eastern Conference teams on the road is 0.89. Atlanta United's is 0.83. You know, can they be better? Yeah, you win that game in Toronto, then we're having a very different conversation, I think, about the road form. But you're not expected to win games on the road in this league. There's very few teams who are doing it. It's early, and this year, for some reason, it feels like it's even more exaggerated with home and away. And again, we're about a third of the way through the season. We'll see how it shakes out as the whole year goes on. But that's a factor in it. Um, the Memphis game, I pushed to the side to a degree because it's the cup. We saw craziness in it last last night. Nobody saw Pittsburgh going to New England and beating the Revolution. They were having one of the best starts to an MLS season since 2005. And they got beat at home by Pittsburgh. Good for Robbie Mertz, by the way. Good for Bob Lilly, too. Bob Lilly oh, yeah, for might sure. be a little crazy. Um, he might yeah. still be yelling at people in <laughs> Foxborough uh, as we speak, but yep. he's he's a very, very good manager. Um, cup's a cup. It's it's a little different when you rotate like Atlanta, I, I think, had to in that game to a degree. Um, guys have to step up. And some players who are fighting for playing time didn't make a big enough case that they need more playing time out of the Memphis game. Uh, Nashville, you know, you can't fall behind Nashville, number one. You want to get into that game, you can't fall behind them because they are too good defensively and too comfortable defensively. That's that's how they play. It's based off getting the first goal, whether it's a set piece, whether it's a long throw, whether it's a counter, and then playing even more on the counter. They are a better team with a lead than they are at 0-0. And when they get that goal off the set piece – it's going to be a tough day. Hani Mukhtar in, in transition is on another planet. Um, you can't fall behind. You did. You had an opportunity at the top of the 18 with Gutman actually charging in that at 2-1. You, 
you get a goal there, it's 2-2, and instead it goes the other way. They get the third one. Um, I think that game was far more even, and the numbers bear that out. You do have to remember game state, and I think the Miami game is a prime example of game state where you know Miami didn't have to push very much after they got their two goals on two shots in the second half, and Atlanta did, and they created a ton of chances. I mean, the key pass numbers are huge. Um, Adarujo created five chances off the bench late, but you were also chasing the game, and Miami was sitting deeper and allowing some of those chances to maybe be created under a little bit less pressure to defend from a deeper spot. So numbers are numbers, and you got to take them with a grain of salt. But I think more than anything, this team's got to get back home and win the games at home that they're expected to win. And that's what you have in these next two. And if you don't, then I think some of the, the conversations can be had um, if you get four points out of these, okay, that's enough, but not good enough. You want more kind of back to that Toronto game where a point is good enough, but you wanted more and you should have gotten more because it was right there in your back pocket and you allowed it to fall out of your pocket. So you got to get home and you got to win these games at home. Um, and you got to get Yorgos healthy. I mean, look, I don't, you know, I, I talked about it on stoppage time today. I, I don't subscribe to plus minus very much when it comes to stats and soccer. But, man, it's pretty dramatic when you look at it with Yorgos and you look at what the team has produced and how the team has defended with Yorgos. I mean, they've only conceded two goals with him on the pitch. And a lot of that's because of that press that he leads. He's relentless. Um, you got to get him back in this team. And when he is in this team, are there any complaints about the way that they've played? I don't think there are. Nope. If no. there are, I think it's nitpicking. Um, I think when he's in the team, this team looks like an MLS Cup contender. When he's not, they don't. And I think you could probably say that for a lot of teams in this league if you're missing your top goal scorer. Yeah, and we've talked about like if, if this if you're playing FIFA and you turn injuries off, nobody could get hurt. <laughs> this team could win MLS Cup easy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you you would it's one of the best rosters out there. And yeah. it's just once you've fine adversity here it's just that's where it seems to be hard to watch at times and yeah, it can be yeah, absolutely and that's a hope like is that, that they can be healthy at the right time and that's with any playoffs if you're in the nfl the nhl like you got to be healthy at, at the right time to, to win a championship the right time too there's an element of that as well you know houston used to be the kings of that Dominic Kinnear, I don't think he cared about the supporter shield, the regular season, whatever. First half of the season was whatever it was. And then they would gear up starting in the summer and, and they would peak going into the last weeks of the regular season and in the playoff run. They were elite at that. And there is a there is an element to that. This team shouldn't be playing its best soccer right now. If they are, they're not going to win MLS Cup and they're not going to go very far in the playoffs. They've got to continue to build and you've got to see that build and Right now, the build got slowed down when you lost Yakimakis for a couple of weeks. For sure. And like you, I, I listened to your show today and like you guys were saying, like it's either all roses or it's burn it all down. And like th that's kind of how the fan base is. And, and I was laughing while, while I was listening to that because it's true. Like if you're on Twitter and I hear you guys on your on your post game reading some tweets out, it, it's it's entertaining to, to read on, on, on a week to week basis on, on where it's at. And, and the fan base really looks for somebody to blame. And, and you see the Pineda out tweets nonstop, the Boca out tweets. And the, the player that seems to get the, the biggest out tweets is Aruju. And we, we've talked to Taylor Twoman about him. And, and we talked earlier with Keith about it. 
how do you get him going? Because I think maybe if he wasn't, you know, a DP, like the DPs are always going to be scrutinized more. They, they make this much money. It's constantly thrown out. Even, you know, when you're listening to them on Apple TV, they show the transfer fee. They, they, they show mm-hmm. the salary. And for the fans, and not Scarves and Spike out, Jimothy, I see your, your tweet. We're, we're not going to leave. Um, but, like, <laughs> I, I think that that's, like, one of the biggest things is, like, Aruju, he, he comes into this team, and he's one of the hottest players, right? Like, he's showing that people are shocked. He's, he's just stealing the ball from the keeper, little tap in there. And then he comes in the next season and, and has a few moments, and he comes in this preseason, looks fantastic, right? Like, he, he's scoring goals. He seems like he's got confidence. And it's has he's been quiet until really he came in and, and the sub performance, which when he came in mm-hmm. to the league, he was like what super sub of the year or sub of the year. Like that that was like his thing. He was the sub and he was great coming in. But as a, it seems like as a starter, it just he doesn't provide enough on that side. I think the start of the season was good for him. I think when this team was at full strength, when when you go back, I was actually just pulling it up to make sure I wasn't too crazy. Um, you know, he had two goals in the first four. Um, I don't know where I'm looking. I can't pull up the assists easily, but he, yeah, I think all of his assists were in the first four or five games as well uh, when the team was playing its best. And, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody this week and, Arujo is never going to be looked at in this way because of that transfer fee, but, and because of his talent, I mean, he's an incredibly talented player. Nobody can deny that. It just doesn't seem to always fit for him, but he reminds me a little bit of a, a Scotty Pippen kind of player and that he is, do you want him to be your number one option? Maybe not. Do you want him to be in this case, your third option? Yeah. kind of like that. And I think he's, good in that role i think when he is there with yakamakis and with almada maybe take some of the pressure off maybe he's able to play a little more freely maybe he's not pressing i feel like he's a hot and cold kind of player in the attack um the thing about him that i I always bring up because i'm always impressed by it is his defensive work he always works hard defensively when he's having an awful day on the dribble when he's just not able to make anything happen he when he turns the ball over he often wins it back because he doesn't stop working for the team. And, and that is why he keeps getting opportunities. And that's, I think, why, you know, you want it to break out for him. But it hasn't. I, I wish I knew what it was exactly that was the issue. I, I don't know if he's putting too much pressure on himself. Um, I don't think it's a confidence issue, but, you know, it's hard to say. Um, I, I don't know if it's just the game doesn't slow down enough for him in the final third. Um, I don't know. And I wish I did because I, I think he's maybe on just pure flat out talent. He's a top five, definitely a top 10 player in this league, but the production hasn't been there. Um, last year, maybe it's different if he doesn't pull the hamstring in game one after scoring that first goal and maybe he's able to build some momentum and, and do it. But, you know, I'll always remember 2022. One of the, the lasting memories will be late in the season where you needed wins to get into the postseason. It felt like every game, Luis Adarujo had a big opportunity to score early in the first 15, 20 minutes. And four or five weeks in a row, either saved or, or shot didn't wasn't on target. And, you know, some of these were good saves, too. I mean, that's the thing. That's that's what will also drive you nuts. Just, it's not hitting the back of the net. It's not happening. And I don't know how to change that for him. 
And it needs to change because if he is what I think his talent is alongside Almada, alongside Yakamakis, then forget it. This attack, you're, you're not going to be able to contain. But he hasn't been. And get Yorgos back, maybe it'll click a little bit more like it did earlier. And if he can be the third of the three amigos in the attack, then maybe that's a little more comfortable spot. And, and maybe he can start to build a little bit for a good run in the second half, but he's got to produce more. I mean, there's just no way around it. He's you brought him in to produce more and he's not producing as much as I think he's capable of. And I don't think there's an easy reason why it's not from a lack of work in my opinion. Yeah. He's always in, especially like you said, at the end of last year, like I remember that Portland game, he had multiple chances. Like yep. he was in the perfect position to score yep. and it just wasn't going in. And that's what we've talked about is like the confidence. Can we get him confidence? We were joking around like, Start him in the open cup. Let let him get a couple goals in there. Like let him let him get that confidence back up because he because he is very streaky. And I just wonder how long the club waits for this to see. Like is this is this a consistent player that's going to be able to to score for us, or do we have to move on from him? Well, you got to look. I mean, you have to always explore options because you're always thinking to move ahead. You know, I mean. Trust me, the the front office and the scouting department and, and everybody involved is thinking about how they would replace him, how they would replace Yakamakis, how they would replace Almada, how they'd replace anybody, because you have to. And you can't wait to build that list until the player's gone. So you're going to be thinking ahead. And then the flip side is, you know, there was a lot of noise that didn't necessarily come from your top tier sources out of Brazil, but there was a lot of noise about teams being interested in bringing him back to Brazil in the off season. Does that pop back up in the summer window? Who knows? And if everything makes sense, then you move on and, and you move forward. If he can get going again, then you're probably not going to want to move on. But I, I think you're already thinking like, all right, if the right deal comes up for him, then this is what we would do in response. Yeah. And I think that's something too, that, probably should be cleared up and and i'm not saying like our platform is the way to do that i like to think it is but um i mean you guys have reach don't 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 uh, we try we try reach but like everybody's talking about almada right that's the big thing when almada leaves the team's gonna be crap that's what we always hear (laughs) because they're not gonna replace anybody they're just gonna decide no we're good unless you have a front office that is completely inept which we don't I mean, people will argue, but we don't No, They have a list of players already lined up that they're going to shoot for the moment that that opportunity comes up or, or is needed. It's not like it's going to be Almada or bust. There are other players. No, No, they've shown it throughout their history. I mean, you knew Miguel Almiron was going to go after the second year and you had already brought in Ezekiel Barco and you invested heavily in him. And, And look, it took, three years I think for him to show the level that he could be and his last season here he was outstanding when he came back never forget post-olympic Barco (laughs) just unbelievable I mean he was on another planet uh Pitti Martinez once he got I think embedded into the team the second half of 2019 Pitti was good you talk about one of the best chance creators and goal scorers like when you look at shot created actions he was top five in MLS down the stretch. Um, he was huge. And I'll always remember that last goal in an empty Mercedes-Benz Stadium, that last game for him against Nashville, where, I mean, he scores two golosos and now it was a great, goal, great game. Um, you're always looking ahead. 
So you have to prepare for that. And you then have to have a little bit of good luck and hoping that somebody doesn't need a whole lot of time. Almada, I think, needed about half the season to get going and, and calibrate to the league because you have to. And, and you know, again, like, like you said, it's not FIFA. You know, it's not FIFA where you just bring somebody in and they Dang. fit because the leagues are, are all the same on FIFA. Here, you got to different weather conditions you got to get used to a different playing style you got to get used to a different way the game is refereed you got to get used to a lot of things and i think you saw first half tiago and second half tiago look very different last year and i think you would expect that for anybody coming in you want them to be able to produce a little bit when they first come in but it's hard to be as good as you can be straight out of the gate when you've never played in this league so that's any league it's not because mls is the best league in the world it's definitely not the worst league in the world, and it's not easy to walk into and understand how it plays. You're not going to – as good as Tiago Almada is, and he might be the best talented – most talented player to ever wear an Atlanta United kit ever all time, way after we're gone. He might be that guy. He didn't light the league on fire when he walked in the door. He yeah. was he was good, but he didn't light the league on fire, and he might be the most talented player that we ever have. Yeah. Hmm. So – I want to because Sydney's got something for you too, but I, I just wanted to get your opinion because I've been harping on it for weeks. Going back to Arujo, do you stick him on the left for a while and let him be more of a playmaker with that left foot? Put Etienne on the right. I mean, you got Caleb going out now for a month, roughly. You're gonna you're gonna have to maybe change some things up there anyway. Do you do you force that left foot to be more of a playmaker foot than a Galasso foot? because we have seen that that is not quite working right now. I, I don't – maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I don't know if that's the like the issue with him. Um, but that does unlock things in the attack. And what you have to, to figure out, because you have to factor the fullbacks into this too. And when you talk about the wingers and what they do in their positioning, Arujo being inverted and Etienne being inverted – really works well and a lot of teams around the world play inverted wingers um, because they want their fullbacks to go and i think especially with brooks you know you want him to have that space out wide so if etienne is there you still want him to come inside and what it what it can create in some ways if you get that chemistry the way you want is you have Lennon making the the overlapping runs down the right. Now he he's underlapped a little bit more this year, but he's still an overlapping fullback. That's that's his characteristic. That's his personality as a player. On the left side, if you have Otterujo there and you want him to stretch the field, you want him to put in crosses, you want him to to stretch wide. That actually works because Gutman we know likes to make the underlapping runs. So that works on that side. What you need to have happen on the opposite side and you got to think about Tiago in this as well. You've got to have a pocket where Tiago can go find. And that's going to be really to the to the left or the right of the forward. And I think what Tiago, we've seen, he likes to be to the left to come in on the right. He likes to pick up the ball to the left side of the goal and come into the right and open up with the right foot or hit the big switch. So, okay, can't you got to be careful about getting too many people in that space. But what it opens up potentially, and I do like this idea, is Etienne almost as a second forward in a way when he tucks in. And he, he, you want him to play kind of off of Yakamaki's shoulder in this scenario 
where you know you want him to stay out of that space. He's got to react to the runs that Yorgos makes, but then he can make corresponding runs. So let's say Lennon makes your overlapping play down the right. He's looking for the cross. Yorgos is your your point person. He's going to make the first decision. He's going to make the first call, first read. If he goes near post, then Etienne from his right wing position where he's tucked in has to go back post. If Yorgos stays to the back post, Etienne's got to make a hard run to the near post. He's got to read that and run off of it. And I think that creates a lot of interesting possibilities because I kind of like him in those spaces. So yeah, it's it, it's not a, a it's not a bad idea. I don't think it unlocks Arujo. Like I don't think that's the issue. But can it be really good for this team when you don't have Caleb Wiley up high and you're trying to get Arujo and Etienne going? Because you need to get both of them going more than they are. Maybe that's a way to do it. Maybe that's a way to change it up, but still play to the strengths of your fullbacks going forward, which is a really important part of this team. So when you look at um, Charlotte, still kind of near club in the league in MLS compared to Atlanta and you know, this, this could be a larger point about soccer in the Southeast, Nashville, Aldera, the Florida teams, Miami, and Orlando, even though, like, the further south you go, Florida, the further north you get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we talked about it, you know, Orlando kind of felt a little, and some people felt, you know, it's a little uh, manufactured. But when you look at Nashville, I mean, there are a number of Atlanta fans in Nashville. I was there among them. Um, you look at Charlotte. A lot of Atlanta fans in Charlotte, I imagine. A lot of Charlotte fans will be they get a trip to Atlanta. Uh, we were talking to Keith earlier about, you know, Cascadia, which he's called a number of times in his career, um, El Trafico. Um, where can Atlanta, Charlotte as a derby end up as it compares to others in Ebel West? I think the three-way with Nashville can be the best in MLS. I don't think it's far off because i mean just look at the numbers like you know you're gonna draw you don't open up the upper deck you're gonna draw up to 45 in atlanta you have your normal soccer configuration in charlotte you're gonna draw between 35 or 30 and 35 i think you could probably stretch it closer to 40 um nashville you're gonna have up to 30 um there were and if i remember the numbers correctly um, and we talked about them on air, so it's not anything that's that's private. I think there were over 2,000 uh, away tickets that were claimed for the Nashville mm. game from Atlanta fans. Mm. Uh, it wasn't quite that many for Charlotte. Um, it was actually a good number went to Miami. That was uh, surprising. I, I wonder how Orlando will match up with that. And look, Miami might have been unique this time with with Joseph going there and and just where it fell in the calendar. It was a good opportunity to go for a weekend if you wanted to go, that kind of stuff. Uh, but Atlanta, Charlotte, Nashville. It, on, I mean, you want to you want me to be completely transparent here? I think it already is in terms of sheer numbers, right there alongside anything in the league. Will it ever get the credit that it deserves? Probably not nationally, because nationally it's always going to be looked down on being in the South. Flat out, it's going to be. You heard all the comments when Atlanta came into the league. You, there's always an element of looking down your nose at it. And you're going to have the old timers who say that Cascadia is the best by far. You're going to have the Northeasterners who say that whatever permutation you want of, of Red Bull and DC and Philly and all that's the best. I think when you get the traveling numbers and the passion and the just scratching the surface of it right now, 
with Atlanta, Charlotte, and Nashville, and two teams in large venues. And if I'm Nashville, I would not hesitate when uh, their new stadium opens up to maybe rent it for these games, or at least one of them each year, to have a big spectacle when Atlanta or Charlotte comes to town. The Nashville-Charlotte part of it's got to grow. I think Atlanta, everybody wants to love or hate Atlanta. Like it's just, and they were the first ones. So you have that element, but Nashville and Charlotte need some animosity. And I think the, the kind of unique element of this um, out of tragedy is Atlanta and Charlotte fans, I think are going to be bonded together in a different way because of Anton walks. And that's a, another element to the rivalry slash camaraderie, which is how I think it feels so far with these three teams. Um, there is rivalry. I, I think Atlanta, Nashville, I mean, that was a good, intense game up there. It was, if you're watching that as a neutral and you don't know who it is and you don't know the history of the teams and, and you turn that on national TV, you're going to be like, oh, okay, that's pretty intense. Pretty good. Went down to the wire. Could have went either way. Okay, cool. I like this. Um, Atlanta, Charlotte, you had intensity straight out of the gate. Like you're already getting that on the field. And I think the good thing is you don't have, you don't have Montreal, Toronto fighting in the stands between them, which is good. Um, I was just about to say that. Yeah, you don't have let's, that. Let's not fight, but. No, you don't need any of that. What what you need is the SEC kind of feel to it, honestly. Mm. It just means more, right? Um, <laughs> you need that where, you know, I remember going to Baton Rouge as a Georgia fan and, you know, you, you park your car and you're walking towards the stadium and it's, you know, ah, we're going to kill you tonight or whatever. Come have some of our jambalaya, you know, <laughs> and, and you go over and you have a beer and, and you talk a little trash yeah. back and forth and you toast. And, and then after the game, it's the same thing. Like, that's what this should be. And I think that's what this rivalry can be. Question is, what is it going to get called and how does it continue to grow? And does it ever get recognized the way that it should nationally? I I fear that it won't, and that's fine. I think we'll all know the real story down here and, and know what it what it's what it really is because these games are special. And I can't wait for both of those teams to come to Atlanta and see how it feels. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, we um yeah, I cut you loose in a little bit, Jason. Always again, always a pleasure to have you on, but we have some business to take care of and I will take it over to Tommy to I guess take care of that business. 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 Yeah, we've been running this contest now for a week. Uh, Carmen Diego, not Carmen San Diego, Carmen Diego, <laughs> uh, hooked us up with a Peach uh, Atlanta United pin. And we've been asking our listeners to share on Instagram and Twitter and then anybody that's chatted in here. So we've got the, the wheel of, of fortune here, the wheel of names to figure out who is going to win. I don't know if anybody can bring it up for me real quick. I, oh, there we go. There we wheel, go. It is a literal wheel of names. That's awesome. Wheel of names. Yeah. <laughs> now you just need the to greatest... do your Wheel of Fortune voice. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't do voice. <laughs> I am more of the Vanna White, you know, uh, no, person I, here. No, you're not. No, you're not, Tommy. You're no, you're not. Definitely not, Tommy. I... <laughs> Bo McAllister, you have Bo. one. There you go. That was beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> and it's as well, easy. Congratulations, as Bo. Uh, we'll get your yes. information. I don't know if you have a mailman out there, uh, <laughs> because he says he lives in the middle of the woods, uh, and that, that's what he brags about. And he has no contact with human in beings. Alabama, got it. Alabama, Alabama mail route. 
Bo, are you on the mail route, or do we have to send yeah. like DHL out to find you? I think he would probably want us to send a drone. So we, <laughs> no. yeah. we, we might have to do that. We'll, we'll get you taken care of one way or another, Bo. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out. He's a, he's a big guy that hops on our spaces after after every game. and That's awesome. He has very, very strong opinions of the game so as know. as you get with your tweets after after your shows there, there, so. look there's nothing wrong with that and you know what you guys do you provide a great forum for it and, and it's important like the work that you guys put in and i know at times it probably feels like a lot of work but i hope you know the impact that, that you guys have on the fan base and look it's Thank special you. i mean when i see at high school games High school kids doing Atlanta United chants for their school. That's amazing. When, you know, I'm looking down in the stands and it's, you know, Tiago Almada jerseys and Miles Robinson jerseys. And um, I think I saw a Gootman jersey. Like, it's awesome that you're you're seeing all of this. The, The growth at the high school level is insane since this started. The growth of the youth game is insane. It's all taken off. And yeah get angry get mad you know whatever like however you feel you feel but also sometimes take a deep breath (laughs) and and just realize that what you're seeing with what is here now and like i have a different perspective because i mean i went through multiple years of whether it's the ruckus or the silverbacks thinking the team was going to die that off season Mm -hmm. and never come back So I'm eternally grateful that I don't have to worry about that again. And that doesn't mean that it's okay not to win every game. I wish you could, but also (laughs) impossible. Um, Sometimes just take a deep breath and and don't get consumed by the toxicity because it's easy to, whether it's social media or, you know, whatever, it's easy to get consumed by it. Don't be cynical. Don't fall into that trap. Don't always expect the other shoe to drop. That never happens in Atlanta, Jason. Yeah, ever. but it's but it, make city. It, but, but it doesn't make it okay that it does. And, and that's the part right, that I'm right. always going to fight against. Um, I will leave you guys with this. Like, if, if I could ask everybody out there to go watch Conan O'Brien's speech on his last Tonight Show and his comments about cynicism. And go watch that and memorize it. And it is absolutely words to live by. And doesn't mean you can't be frustrated about a loss or a result, but mm-hmm. also don't allow it to make you cynical about the game, about the team, about any of it, about the experience. Everybody out there, you guys, the fans, you're all needed in a big way against Charlotte on Saturday because you get off to a good start against that team in that building. I don't think they have any prayer of coming back. And the more that the crowd is energized, the better the chances are of that big start early on. You guys have an impact on this team, so – please use that power for good a hundred percent yeah we try the spaces is a fun you know when we started this this is before the podcast was we wanted to do this because spaces is just an opportunity for everybody you know we, we get people overseas that hop on at you know crazy times to just talk about <laughs> the game and i think that's the most fun part i'm in ohio Spanish so i love talking to understand. people in atlanta that were at the game like there's people in traffic trying to get out they want to talk about, you know, the win or the loss. And I think that's just the most fun is just being able to hop on and hear those those reactions. And, like, we did the Joseph, like, as soon as Joseph was announced, did the spaces. It was so much fun just talking to everybody, talking about their favorite Joseph moment. And mm-hmm. I think that's just what it's all about is just connecting everybody. And that's a big part of our spaces. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I, I hope that it's connecting out of joy very soon, and hopefully Saturday. <laughs> Less um, therapy. Less therapy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, look, you get back home, you're going to be favored in these next two games, and it's time to per- it's time to produce. You know, you had two tough games on the road where if you play better, I think you walk away with some points in those last mm-hmm. two. And, and you didn't miss it by a ton. You, you didn't get played off the park. You didn't get blown out. You didn't look horrible. You didn't look good enough to win. And at home, you're expected to win. So let's see what happens in these next two games. And hopefully you see number seven up top being a factor in it. Yeah, agreed. Good to be back home. I'm sure you'll, you're you looking forward to calling a match. Ever since he's been saved for the first time in forever. Yeah, um, I mean, one out of the last five uh, yeah. <laughs> at home, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you get, you get momentum with these two at home. And hopefully it's Absolutely. a great turnout on Saturday. And it's loud, loud, loud. Agreed, Absolutely. agreed. We Jason, always, it, yep. Thanks awesome. for having Thank me on, y'all. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. See ya. Yep. Use your That'll power be... for good. Use <laughs> your power for good. Is this how we and start? Everybody has homework now. Every spaces. Conan. It's a Conan good speech. Like, I've watched it many times. I have so, not seen it. I got to watch I, it. I think I saw it. The whole episode's great. The whole last episode's fantastic. Yeah, and 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 look, because I've been I've been keeping on the chat, and the fact that there can even be the arguments in the chat on Twitter, you should be happy to be a part of it, because right. even right now we have people all over this country that are in the chat right now, and uh, that's a it's a that's a good thing. We're not sporting Kansas City, right? <laughs> We're not, you know, San Jose, not knocking on San Jose, but they haven't been super relevant up until recently. But at the end of the day, the fan base is great. We say it all the time. Lucky to be a part of it. And uh, if it weren't for the fan base, we wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And we don't have to agree on everything. I mean, but that's that's what great that's what's great about sports. Everyone has an opinion. And it's not life or death whether you agree with it. It's not life or death whether you think somebody is the full of it, or if you think somebody is spot on. I mean, let's just be respectful of others' opinions and let's, you know, not let this thing become consuming of our lives, essentially. It's sports. It's supposed to be fun. No, Atlanta United yeah. is life. I don't know what you're talking about, Sydney. Really? <laughs> it's everything. I disagree, t- I Tyler. Disagree. <laughs> disagree. 100%. Um,. Couple things before little housekeeping notes, and I don't know if we had any more about Saturday or not. Few housekeeping notes, Prediction. predictions, predictions. Yes, let's do that first. Let's do predictions first. Um, I predict a result. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, either win, loss, or draw. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll kick us off, uh, prediction wise, and then we'll get to our little housekeeping notes. Um, you know. Yakamakis has been training this week, so at least for now, as we're on the air, all signs point to him at least having some effect on the match. I don't know if he'll start on Saturday or not. I don't. I feel like he won't, just because he isn't quite match fit after having not played for the past several matches. But I think at some point we will see him, and I think, gosh. I mean, I'm kind of leaning 2-1 at Lenny United. I feel it'll be 1-1. One, one. 
I feel Charlotte will score first, probably. Atlanta will eventually level it. I'm going to say Almada levels it for Atlanta, and then Yakabaka scores late to get Atlanta back in the win column. So you think Charlotte scores first? I kind of feel Charlotte go, Charlotte scores first, to be honest with you. You know, it'll be a um, hostile environment. I mean, they'll be looking to continue their climb, I guess, up the table. They beat NYCFC, I believe, last week. They'll be kind of riding high on that, as well as the win against Orlando in the Open Cup. So, yeah, they, they've not been... They've been a little better run. I mean, they got blown out by D.C., but, again, they beat NYCFC, beat Orlando in the Open Cup, and now we kind of, I guess, riding that high a little bit into um, Atlanta. So I think maybe they score first, Atlanta levels it probably right after, and then Yakamaka scores the winner in the second half at some point. Just my opinion. We'll see. 4-1, baby. 4-2-1. Four goals for us, one goal for Charlotte. We're, we're, we gotta, we gotta get something going. We got to. And like, we didn't even bring mm-hmm. it up. The Chicago game also was trash. Like we yeah. can't forget no, the shot. Everybody like we won that game, but that game was miserable. We should not have yeah. won that game. We should have lost that game three to one. We've been on a four game bad stretch of soccer. The mm-hmm. vibes are going to be back. They're back home. Like Jason said, four to one, Ric Flair. Woo. You're woo. up, Tyler. <laughs> woo. Uh, I like that. I'm gonna, I was going to say 4 nil. Whoa. I'm coming in hot, too. <laughs> I Look, Clemon Dio or Quentin. You're Wesley. melting my screen, Tyler. You're so hot. Good grief. <laughs> 4 nil. I mean, what? prediction-wise. Yeah. Prediction-wise. <laughs> um, no, look. One of the goalkeepers need a, need a clean sheet. There has to be There has to be some kind of defensive. Like, you have some of the – you have Miles Robinson. Miles Robinson needs a clean sheet. Westberg needs a clean sheet. Diop, 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 Diop. It'll be Diop, I think. But whoever it is, that defense needs a clean sheet. They need to get some confidence back. But at the same time, like this attack should be able to run all over Charlotte. And we haven't even talked about Charlotte's. Should be. Should be. We haven't even talked about Charlotte's Open Cup. The fact that they have tons of injuries right now, they're coming in on short rest. There's a lot of factors going completely against Charlotte in this match. So if, if you're Atlanta and you do not win here, then there's a there's a bigger issue for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You should win. You should run them off the field relatively. But I'm going to say 4-0. I think Yakamakis gets a brace, and I think he's going to beat Taylor Twelman's record. And I think... Almada, and I'm going to say it, I think Arujo gets one. Finally get off the schneid, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a little ambitious, but okay. Hey, I mean, <laughs> hopefully. I, I need it. I'm make it <laughs> for the last three games. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, real quick, two things. Uh, the watch along, I mean, for our patrons, we've been talking about it for the last few weeks. Uh, May 20th against Chicago Fire, when Atlanta are on the road. Uh, that'll be our next watch along party available to our $10 patrons, $10 a month patrons. So go to patreon.com slash Garth and spikes. Uh, I will put the URL or we'll put the URL in the chat. If you're watching 
if you're on the podcast, of course, you can type it in patreon.com slash scarves and spikes for our $10 patrons. Uh, we also have $1.17 tiers, $5 tiers. We're hoping to get some really big things planned over the next few weeks and months for our patrons. So patreon.com slash scarves and spikes. And again, uh, $10 a month patrons. We'll get a link at some point before May 20th to an exclusive watch-along party with Tyler and Tommy. I will not be there. I may pop in, but I will not be there. Tell them where you're going to be at. Sydney. I will be in Sweden on Whoa. May 20th. <laughs> I'll be in Sweden on May 20th. I was and... Canadian. I sounded Canadian, not Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> that was my bad. No, I don't know. You went, you went high and right with the... Yeah. Usually when I do an accent, it turns to Borat somehow. Like that's like my weakness is like you just tell me do do this do this impression. It'll go straight to Borat. So it's 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 a fail. Go back to Sweden. Sorry. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I'll be there. Um, while Atlanta United are up in Chicago, I, I mean I may pop in. It, it's going to be like six hours ahead, but we'll see depending on how tired I am. But yeah, Tyler and Tommy will be holding it down. Again, Patreon is at like eight thirty at night. <laughs> uh, is it eight thirty or? S- I, I think it's probably eight thirty. Eight thirty. That's so right. It's gonna be like what, right. four o'clock in the morning there. A two two o'clock <laughs> in the morning. I mean, we'll see. Is it an alarm? We'll see. Is it only six yeah. hours for real? Six hours. It just seems like so much further. Anyway, <laughs> well, I mean, by the time <laughs> the game's over. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But right. uh, our watch along was a ton of fun last time. Mm-hmm. We had about ten people that came on. We we just we send you a Zoom link. You hop on. We were all having drinks. You know, Sydney was doing shots of water. Tyler was <laughs> passing out on spaces. Um, <laughs> it was a busy yeah. Night. I, we we got to throw all the dirty out there. But yeah, I we remember. Tyler and I went on spaces afterwards. He was falling asleep. But it was a fun time. We'll, we'll give away some some stuff as well while More we're stuff on there. From Carmen and Diego. For sure. Yeah, we'll be giving away probably another pin. Anybody that comes in, um, that's a big thing about what we want to do with our Patreon is, is we want to give back. So some of that money that we do get, we take it right back out and we we give you uh, there's a crazy thing in the chat. Not going to say that out loud, <laughs> but we, we like to give back. So we like to, to give away uh, some prizes as well. So come hang out with us uh, and, and watch the Chicago game. Yes, please do. I will be probably sleeping but maybe we'll see we'll see how i'm feeling we'll um, wake you up if we <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's we'll point number phone one number out on the zoom for everybody no, calls you do not do that do, please do not do that. <laughs> yeah no don't do Roaming. that uh <laughs> second one second <laughs> oh man okay this is going off the rails um no, second no. off second off um I'm caught off track now. Okay, okay. Let's get it together. Uh, next week, Atlanta United play on Wednesday night. And that means that we will not be podcasting on Wednesday night. We'll be podcasting, I believe, on Tuesday night, yes. Tuesday night, 7 p.m.? Is that what we have decided? You guys will be. I will be at Blink-182. Ooh. Yes. I will be rocking out to all the small things. Yes. All it. the small things. Say so. My wife. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just show up at at, at the. I got front row, so I'll just hump up in the front row, and I'll, I'll give you guys a, a a show. I'm here for it. Yes, yeah. So Tuesday night at 7 p.m. 
Tyrell and I will be here. Uh, I'm not sure who the guests will be just yet, but we'll let you know, obviously, on our socials. And, yeah, spaces after the match on Saturday. Yep. Um, I believe that's it. Did I miss anything? If you oh, by the way, if you're listening on the podcast, it'll be in the podcast feed, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. If y'all really so want cool. Dom Dwyer to come back, you should let the front office know. I'm just saying. For a reason. Yeah. <laughs> For a reason. Anyway, carry on. Um about that little That's not a Blink 182 lyric though. It's not. That's a Queen lyric. No. Carry on. Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I think that's, that's it, yeah. Card. Yellow card. <laughs> that was a good band. It was. I mean not many bands have a violinist. Exactly. I am the pop punk, the pop punk, like yeah. all of knowledge of all the pop punk. So that's that's my entire summer. Fallout Boy, uh, Weezer, Blink One Eighty Two. That that's me. Offspring, Some Forty One. That's my summer. <laughs> if I'm missing, I'm pro- if I'm not at a show, if I'm not on one of our shows, I'm at a pop punk concert. So. Since the two thousand, reliving or... my two thousands. I'm reliving right <laughs> when I graduated. I graduated two thousand one. That's what I was rocking out to, and we're and we're back. The yeah, two thousands are back. I was gonna say, I feel like I'm back in college with all these bands you're throwing out, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. Maybe our niche, maybe our niche Patreon AMA or special episode favorite bands of the two thousands. <laughs> We'll think Ooh, about it. I'll be great. We'll think about it. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Tyler is at Lincoln Park. Oh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll keep throwing them out there. Um, no Nickelback, though, or Creed. Um, <laughs> uh, Tyler's at ATL Pilgrim. Tommy's at ATL. Tommy ATL 96. I'm at SH Wright. We are at Scars N, Letter N Spikes on Twitter. Scarves and Spikes on Instagram. And yes, keep us keep following us for content all week long, even when we are off the air. Of course, Atlanta Soccer Podcast Network if you want to hear the audio version of this show. But that's it. We are out of here for another week, and we'll see you on Spaces, Twitter Spaces on Saturday and live here next Tuesday on the podcast. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. So long. As Creed would say, so let's go then. <laughs> I love it. I'll watch you some Open Cup. All right. Yes, watch I'll, the Open I'll, Cup. I'll, I'll sing higher as we, we go off to our own music. <laughs> thanks, and everyone. We'll see, see you next time. Can you take me <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> So let's go then. Keep it going. <laughs> running out of... Uh, all I know is, uh, can you take it higher? <laughs> that's all he knows. My that's sacrifice. All I know. So let... Oh, my... Oh, that's a, that was a banger too. <laughs> wow. <laughs>